Let's pray. I'm excited. Lord, we just thank you that you have brought to us truly another world in you. It's a completely different world. Lord, we just thank you for the kingdom kingdom of heaven is among us and inside of us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we live now every day on earth in union with you, that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing can separate us from your love. That you have made us righteous by the work of your son. You have made us righteous. What an awesome gift. For in that gift are all the gifts of God. For we are righteous. We are righteous in Christ. All the gifts of God. For we have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. We rest, Lord. We no longer are blessed if we do. We are blessed because of who we are in you. Thank you, Father, for this incredible dynamic change. This dynamic change that has come to earth. A new priesthood. A heavenly priesthood. One sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all time. Oh, Lord, help us see the vast ocean of grace that has come to us. Grace upon grace. Fullness of grace. An incredible favor and mercy from God. For we now have a throne of grace to go to, to obtain mercy and to find grace in time of need. Oh, Lord, help us see the awesome contrast of what was and now what is in Christ. For nothing has Nothing shall be the same again. Nothing shall be the same again. Oh, Lord, a new wine for a new wineskin, a new shirt, water turned into wine. It's new. It's different. It's so awesome. It's the reality. It's the good, glad news that makes a man leap for joy. Oh, God, thank you for the good news of the kingdom, this new reality in the spirit that we now enjoy in Christ. Thank you for the reality of this. And now, Father, I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that we would see and hear heavenly things. Strengthen us, Lord, in our inner man that Christ may dwell in our hearts with power. Help us see the reality you've brought us into as your sons and your daughters. And help us be witnesses of these things to others by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. The scripture has a lot to say about those who are ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And Scripture speaks about how the kingdom of heaven came close to a lot of people, but they didn't believe. And Jesus said, tell them the kingdom of heaven came close to them this day. And I don't believe that there's many in this room that have a problem with believing in the grace of God. There may, there may be a few that are still on the, on the fence about, you know, whether this is really true grace, law, you know. But there are a lot of people out there that I believe, a lot of believers that are struggling with really understanding grace. And there are a lot of unbelievers out there 
lot of unbelievers out there that think this is just way too good to be true. So what I feel the Spirit is saying to me today to share is to encourage us, first of all, to look at ourselves and say, you know, am I on the fence? Am I on the fence? And this, this, is going, this, this CD is going out on the website, and, and uh, we have like about 500 people that, that uh, check the website and listen to these messages, you know, every month. Um, it's pretty exciting. We get a report. Daniel gives me a report. We have people from Singapore, from Canada, from Africa, from Croatia, listening to these messages. China. Got an email from a brother in China who said, you know, brother, you do good. When are you going to write your book or something like that? <laughs> I could hear the dialect in his. But so these messages are not just for this group, but for others. And, and I really believe that we need to be encouraging unbelievers and believers alike to get off the fence about the goodness of God. Hebrews says that, actually says, let us fear lest, it, lest we come short of the grace of God and not enter into his rest because of our unbelief. For the gospel was preached to Israel, Hebrews says, but it did not profit them for they did not mix it with faith. The gospel in the form of the promised land. It was a picture of Hebrews talking about this was the good news, a picture of the land, the new land, a picture of Christ. The writer to the Hebrews is saying this is like the gospel being preached, the good news, this awesome, awesome, awesome good news, this contrast from being in bondage in Egypt to a land filled with milk and honey. It sounds too good to be true. Let's go back to Egypt where we had at least some leeks and some whatever they ate back there, cucumbers. You see what I'm saying though? I tell you, listen, saints, the Spirit of God is saying this morning, it is not too good to be true. But it appears to be too good to be true. And in our own lives, in our own personal lives, I, first of all, I want to say, just abandon yourself to Him. Forget that it may be too good to be true and be like Peter who was in the boat and who said, Lord, if that is you, this is too good to be true. We're sinking in the boat. We're dying here and you're standing on the water. That's too good to be true. Man cannot stand and walk on water. And Peter, this is totally, I'm telling you, it's totally different what he came to do, I'm, I'm trying to, the Spirit of God in me is trying to shake us out of this uh, view of what Jesus did as being something a little better, a little better. No! It is cataclysmic. It is cataclysmically different. It is as different as a man in a sinking boat and a man walking on water. It is as different as water being turned into wine. It is as different as a shirt with a hole in it and a brand new shirt. It's as different as old wine and new wine. It's, as, it's so different. Give yourselves to him. Say, as Peter said, if that is you, Lord, if this is true, if it's this good, if it's really true that you have not, that you will not count my sins against me anymore, if it's really true, bid me come to you on the water. Come, Peter. 
come. If it's really true that you have made me righteous, is it really true that you're my dad now? Abba. Is it really true that you'll never, never leave me nor forsake me? No matter what I do or what happens to me, what, is it really true? Bid me come. Walking to you on the water. You see? Well, there's a, there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 7 I want us to look at this morning, a story in the Old Testament that hidden in this story, and I shared this, I think, three or four years ago in the main meeting. I don't know if, 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 you, had to, if you had been there to hear that, but I don't think it'll be um, boring to hear it again, but um, this story in 2 Kings chapter 7 is a story. This is one of the many, many stories hidden in the Old Testament to reveal the revelation of Christ, to reveal God's heart toward us, to reveal his ways toward us. It's so, it's an awesome story. It's just one chapter, just one chapter. Chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7, one short chapter, just full of revelation. Okay, let's jump into this. And someone please remind me before we end today, just say Acts 13. I don't want to forget to read Acts 13. Because I'll forget if I don't have a reminder. Chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7. Okay, let's take a look at this, saints. And again, remember what we're, what we're really talking about this morning is that we don't want to be people that are ever learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And we don't want our friends, even believers, who are stuck in Galatianism, stuck in legalism, can't let go of the law, can't let go of the, their view of God that they've had for years under legalistic teaching, can't let go of their view of themselves that they've had for years under legalistic teaching. And we don't want, belie- uh, we don't, we don't want unbelievers to stay there either, obviously. But for them to see the goodness of God, for them to see the contrast, the awesomeness of of God's work, that's the Spirit's yearning. For the kingdom of heaven is coming close to many in this hour with the word of his grace. We want them to see. We want us to be so abandoned to his grace that we're like fireballs, you know. We're like, people are attracted to your liberty. They're attracted to your joy. They're attracted to your hope. They're attracted to your sense of peace. They're attracted to your, your seemingly carefree way you live in this world of trouble, casting all your care upon him for he cares for us. All of that, attracted to him, attracted to us. Scripture says the day will come when they will... Tin tin will grab you by the hand and say, tell us about your God. That day is now because of the message of what Jesus did. Okay, let's go. Cool. Chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, listen to the word of the Lord. This is Elisha the prophet speaking. Let me set it up real quick. This is a city in Israel that's under siege by an enemy, by the Arameans. 
The Arameans have surrounded the city and they're waiting them out until they starve to death. They're They're just waiting them out until they have no more food and they die one by one until they just can take the city. And so this, it's, this has been going on for quite some time, and they're running out of food, they're run, running out of horses, they're running out of everything. And Prophet Elisha speaks. This is also a good story to take in the natural, too, about just natural provision and God's ways to take care of us. Really awesome story. But it's also, on a deeper level, the spiritual reality. It's a picture of the gospel. Okay. So Elisha speaks up. And he says, listen to the word of the Lord. And that's where it all begins. Our move from one reality to another reality, God's reality is when we listen to the word of the Lord. It all begins there. Tomorrow, just tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. This is, another, in other words, He's saying here, bread, food's going to be so cheap. Think of a shekel like a penny. It's going to be tomorrow. Now, today, today, you couldn't buy a, a loaf of bread for $1,000. If you had it, if you had $1,000, you could not buy a loaf of bread. There's no food in the city. People are starving. If they had $1,000, they, they would buy a loaf of bread just to feed them and their family. This prophet stands up and says, tomorrow about this time? Bread will be so plentiful, you can buy it for pennies. Food everywhere. That's what he's saying. Now look at how fast it can happen. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Watch this. Verse 2. And the royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning answered the man of God and said, Oh, God, behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? He was mocking the prophet. He said, if if the Lord made windows in heaven, how can this thing be? Cynical about this good news. And then the prophet said, behold, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Cynical people and even believers who don't get rid of their their cynicalness. Is that a word? Cynicism. Cynicism will end up seeing an incredible flow and revival, if you want to call it that, or revelation and blessing of God and grace and revelation coming to this earth and among the people. But with their eyes, they will see it, but they may not partake of it. Unbelievers for sure will not partake of it. That's what I'm saying, is that you can be doubting the goodness of God and miss what God wants to do in your own life. Even as a believer, you can be, have it all. You know, like the old story we hear, the guy that has a million dollars in his bank account doesn't know he has it, and he's living on bolognis and bologna sandwiches and stuff. He has no idea what he has in his bank account. That's what it's like, our inheritance. Okay. Verse 3. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why do we sit here until we die? Now, they were not in the, in the city they were at the entrance of the gate because lepers couldn't live in the city. So they were like right outside the gate, you know, wide open to the enemy, but the enemy was like camped around them. Listen to these four lepers. This is great. Now, I think the reason it's four is because it's a picture of the four corners of the earth that God wants to save the whole world, that we're all lepers. 
in Christ, without Christ. We're all lepers. We're all sinners without Christ. So it's, the, it's, it's speaking about the whole world. The whole world lies in the evil power of the evil one. We're all sinners that need to be saved, so to speak. Okay. You're getting two messages in one today, by the way. The way, the, the way I read the Old Testament, I'm hoping that the way God has taught me how to see things in there, I think will spark something so that when you read the Old Testament, you'll see little clues about how I, he's taught me to read it and, and see things. Okay. Look at this. I love this. Verse 4. If we say, this is the lepers talking to each other. If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we'll die there. And if we sit here, we're going to die also. So come on, this, let's just, let's go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we live. And if they kill us, well, we're going to die here anyway. These are people that have come to the end of themselves and they have no hope. And they say, look, let's give it a shot. You know, let's, you know, maybe this grace thing is right. You know, maybe it's true. God really does love me. Maybe it's all true. And if it's not, we're, we're certainly, you know, how's that law working for you? That's why I want to ask these people that just, you know, argue with me about grace all the time. I want to say, well, how's that law working for you? Behind closed doors, you know, with your wife and your children and your business and your relationships. How's that law working for you? You know? Okay. Verse 5. And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans. When they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear a sound, a circle sound of chariots and a sound of horses, circle sound a second time, and even the sound of a great army, circle sound a third time. So that they said to one another, behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. In other words, Israel has made a treaty with these other two countries and they're coming after us. They, they got help because the Lord caused them to hear a sound. This, saints, is a reference to the gospel. Three times the word sound, the sound, the sound, the joyful sound, the sound. It's the word of the gospel that brings deliverance, brings freedom. That's what that's... If you can receive that, that's what that's talking about. The Spirit of God, sound, sound, sound. It's by your words that the revelation is spread. Okay. Verse 7. Therefore they arose and they fled in the twilight. This is the army. And left their tents and their horses and their donkeys. Even the camp, just as it was, they fled for their life. Did you notice this is so cool? Look at verse 5. The lepers arose in the twilight to go to the army. And verse, verse, uh, verse 7 says that the army also arose at the twilight. At the very moment the lepers arose to go check it out, they were also arising and leaving. It tells me two things. It tells me the scripture speaking here. See, I see this in Christ, Okay. I see this on two levels. I see, first of all, we were raised in Christ. It shows a simultaneous work of resurrection and provision. As they arose at twilight, the provision arose because they left and left it all there. 
The enemy was defeated at the resurrection, at the death and resurrection of Christ. As the lepers arose, so did the enemy arise and leave. Simultaneous, this is no coincidence that verse 5 says they arose and verse 7, the enemy arose at twilight, exact same time. You see, on another level, I see that what is, is, but you don't experience it until you make a choice. What is, is, but you don't experience it until you make a choice to believe and arise. I I shall arise and return to my father, the prodigal son said. So on two levels, I see the work of God, simultaneous work in Christ, but also the work of man to respond to it and choose to arise. We're going to die here anyway. Let's, Let's go check it out. And sure enough, as they arose... The enemy arose and left. Isn't that cool? The number five means grace. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, that's cool. Verse five and seven. Yeah, that's that is true about the numbers. Numbers are huge in Scripture. Of course, these are these are verses you're referring to. Verse that that men put there, but that could be also guided by God. You know, who knows? Yes. It was the sound of those four guys anointed by the power of God. When they stood up and they made the first That's cool. I bet you know that You know that is that is so cool. I bet that's exactly what God did. You know, you're like putting a microphone to their feet. And they're shuffling in the sand. I can see that's pretty cool. Yeah, just God magnifying the sound of four lepers. I could very well be it. God is so creative. It's like, God, what is that sound? Just lepers in the sand. That's cool. That's very cool. That's right. And they got out of town big time. They fled for their life. Verse 8. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank, and they carried them there. Um, from the, they carried from there silver and gold and clothes. They had food. They had silver. They had gold. They had clothes. They had provision. They had everything. They went and they hid them because it, they, the first response was, I've got to hide this stuff. I've got to take care of myself. I gotta. And some, I think sometimes we hide the gospel. You know, we have this awesome good news and we like, oh, this is so awesome. And our neighbor's like dying next door, you know. It's like, um, and he goes, uh, and they returned, and they entered another tent. They carried them there also. I mean, they were busy. They were busy hiding stuff in the desert, under the sand. And, and verse 9, and they said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news. This is the day of the gospel. This is a day of good news. And if we wait until morning light, the word in my translation says punishment, but it can also be translated trouble. It just means that this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good. Will overtake us. And he says, now therefore come. Now th- let us go and tell. Let's tell. Let's tell. Let's go tell it on the mountain. Let's go tell the king's household. So they arise a second time. They first had to arise and take a chance on this grace message. And when they found it all to be true, 
beyond their wildest expectations. Look at the contrast, saints. This is what I'm trying to say. This is what the Spirit of God in me is trying to say. Look at the contrast. You have a city that's under siege in fear with no food, and people are at each other's throats because they're hungry and they're angry and they're scared and their children are dying. There's no hope. And then you have four lepers which speaks of they didn't earn it. They don't deserve it. They're lepers. They have no, they're just there and they find silver and gold and food and provision and clothes and tents and everything they could possibly need, not just for them, but for the whole city, an entire army full of provision, army, tents upon tents. I'm talking thousands of tents they left. They fled in fear because God caused them to hear this sound. I mean, the whole valley was filled with tents, filled with all this provision. The contrast, the contrast. What is the Lord saying in his scripture to us? All this would be unlocked in his son. All the secrets hidden in the Old Testament would be revealed through Christ. Jesus himself would come and reveal all these things. We would see what it really means to turn water into wine and celebrate a new reality. No wonder they call it the glad news of the, of the kingdom of heaven. Give yourself to it. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let the bad teaching that you've heard years ago go. Let your bad view of yourself go. Let it go. Get out of the boat. Let it go. You're not a worm. You're not evil. You're not a sinner. Just saved by grace. You don't have an evil heart if you're in him. You let it go. Receive. Step out of the boat. Walk on water toward him. Verse 10, so they came and they called to the gatekeepers of the city. And they told them, now they're yelling up to the gatekeepers, the gates are closed, and they said, we came to the camp of the Arameans. Behold, there was no one there. Not a voice of a man. We, it was silent in the camp. It was, there was nobody even talking. It was, no one was there, only the horses. They were tied and the donkeys were even tied. They're even tied up for us. The tents, the tents, they, 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 they were just as they were. They're all there. See, they're yelling up to the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers are looking down at these four lepers with this very unlikely message of another reality. You see it? Verse 11, and the gatekeepers called and they told it to the king. They went to the king. Verse 12. Then the king arose in the night. It's, it's like they came back. They came back, you know. It's still, and now it's night. It's, it, the king arose in the night and he says, I will, this, now this is the king. This is the king. This is man's way of thinking. This is the, the ones who are in control of the gate. And, you know, the, the, I, I see this as the people in the wall. Did you guys see the movie, The Shawshank Redemption? I love that movie, The Shawshank Redemption. I love that scene where the, uh, the guy gets released out of prison after 45 years of being in prison. And you would think he'd be happy, you know, 45 years now he's out, free. But he didn't know how to live in the free world, you know, the free society, because he'd lived for 45 years as a child, being told where to go, where to sleep, where to, what to eat, what to do. And so now he went out, having been released from prison after 45 years, and he didn't last but a few weeks. He got a little job working at a grocery store, I think, and he worked there for a few weeks. And they found him a few weeks later, hung himself. And his little house that they provided for him, this little 
halfway house, hung himself. Couldn't, couldn't live in a free world, so different. And so back at the prison, the news got back to his friends. They loved him. They were sad when they heard what happened. And, he, and Morgan Freeman's character said, yeah, he's been, he was institutionalized. And they looked at him and said, what do you mean by that? Institutionalized. And he said in the movie, he said, well, first they come in here and they hate the walls. And then they get used to the walls. And then they can't live without the walls. There's so many Christians who have been institutionalized. They hate the law at first. You know, young believer first free. Free, so free. God loves me every morning. God got me a parking space today. So free. God gives me flowers. The other day I took a walk from lunch and a butterfly came and landed on my sandwich. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Young believers. And then they get in the church sometimes and then the law. Oh, but this is expected of you and this is expected of you and this is expected of you. And well, you know, you still have an evil heart. You got to be careful with that evil heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked of all things. You got to be careful with that heart and you know, God's not happy if you do this, and God's not pleased if you do this. And if you do this, and God will do this. But if you don't do that, God's not. Uh, uh, after a while, just a little bit of law leavens the whole lump. And as the Galatians, where's your joy? Where's your blessedness that was here before, Paul said? Where was your blessedness? You would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Why are you fighting? Why are you devouring each other? Why are you c- criticizing each other? Why are you condemning each other? Why are you judging each other? What happened to you? What happened? First, they come in the church and they hate the law. Then they get used to the law. Then they can't live without the law. Well, this king is a picture of that institutionalism behind the, behind the walls, the chief cynic. And this is what the king says. He says, I'll tell you what the Arameans have done. They know we're hungry. Therefore, they have gone from the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall capture them alive and get into the city. So he was basically saying, it's a trap. It's a trap. Grace is a trap. That's easy believism, but sloppy agape. It's a trap. Don't listen to that. Lordship salvation, that's where it's at. Lordship salvation. No, you can't, he can't just be your savior. He's got to be your Lord too. He's got to be your Lord and savior. So don't tell me you're saved unless you're obeying everything Christ taught. That's the real salvation. It's called lordship salvation. What do you mean this business if he's not counting your sins against you anymore? That's, that is a trap. Oh, no, 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 no. You need to get to, you need to mature. Grace is kind of for babies, but you need to be more mature and learn the deeper things of God. God expects things of you. Lordship salvation. It's a trap. The, the Arameans, have hide, they're hiding out there. This grace thing is going to, it's going to be the, you're going to crash and burn if you leave us, if you leave this. I've heard that. I've heard people trying to get out of legalistic churches and the leadership of the church trying to get out of legalistic churches with the revelation of grace and they're getting life, they're feeling life for the first time in their Christian life in years and the leadership of other, these churches have told them, you cannot live without us. You cannot live without our, our, our covering. 
You leave here and you will crash and burn. And they hope they do because it, it validates what they're doing. Horrible, terrible, horrible. It's widespread. This is widespread in the body of Christ. So this king says it's a trap. Don't believe it. Don't believe his grace message. It's a trap. But luckily, verse 13, and one of his servants, usually it's, it's the humble. See, the king, he's got it all figured out. But one of his servants says, oh, king, oh, king, little servants, oh, king, can we at least have, take five men, take five men and send them out. Um, we've got five horses left in the whole city. Use those five horses. Um, can't we just take those and send them out and um, they can check it out? I mean, we're, we're going to die anyway. Look at uh, I'll read the, the exact words. Verse 13. And one of the servants answered and said, Please, let some men take five of the horses which remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they will be in any case, they will be in any case like all the multitude of Israel who are left in it. In other words, we're all going to die, even the horses. Behold, they will be in any case like all the multitude of Israel who have already perished. So let us send and see. Let's just check it out. Can't just send five. So the king, all right, send five. We're, not, we're sort of not going to go out there because I, I think it's a trap. So verse 14. They took, therefore, two chariots with horses, and the king sent after the army of the Arameans, saying, go and see. Go and see. I love that. Go and see. That's what they said. That's what Jesus said when the first disciples said, when John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And they they were following John. And so when John pointed to Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, they looked from John to him. And they went to Jesus and they said, where do you live, master? Can we come with you? Where do you live? Because they, re- they, re- they respected John and John's word and John's message was that he's the one. So they turned from John to him. He must decrease. The Christ must increase. And Jesus said to them, Come and see. I love it. Come and experience. Don't be talked into it. Don't let a man talk you into it. If a man has to talk you into it, another man will talk you out of it. Come and see. Come and see. So the the king actually said a good thing there. Go and see. Verse 15. And they went after them to the Jordan, and behold, all the way was full of clothes. All the way was full of clothes and equipment, which the Arameans had thrown away in their haste. I mean, it was unbelievable. Try to picture a super Walmart. Try to picture five super Walmarts emptied on the, de- on the plains of the desert, just with all this stuff in their haste. And still horses tied up and donkeys tied up and tents still up and all this other stuff all over the place. And they said, then the messengers returned and they told the king. The king believed these messengers because they were his messengers and so he believed them and then verse 16. So the people went out and they plundered the camp of the Arameans. And then, sure enough, as the prophet had said, a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. In other words, food was so plentiful it was cheap. It was everywhere. You could buy it for pennies. Just as Elisha had said, about this time tomorrow. Verse 17. Now the king appointed the royal officer whose hand he leaned on to have charge of the gate. Let me tell you something about gatekeepers. 
God doesn't need gatekeepers. There is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Religion tries to set up gatekeepers. You have to come through us to teach you about God. Jesus talked to these gatekeepers when he spoke to the Pharisees and he said, he said, you had the key of knowledge. You had the scriptures. You had the revelation of the Christ and you did not let others enter in and you hindered others who were trying to enter in. Yeah, he said, actually said, you did not enter in yourself. You did not enter in yourself and you hindered others who were trying to enter in because of your power. You wanted power. You wanted control. You wanted a sense of self-esteem because you were a leader. You wanted people to call you rabbi, rabbi in the streets. You wanted people to call you leader and teacher. You wanted people to call, you wanted men to call you in the marketplaces and look up to you. You wanted the chief seats in the synagogue. You wanted control and power and prestige and you hindered people who were trying to enter in I don't need gatekeepers God says it's one Christ one father call no man your leader Jesus said call no man your leader call no man your father call no man your teacher for there is one leader one teacher one father even Christ Jesus Jesus said Isn't that awesome because God's life cannot be controlled It's organic, it's moving, it's flowing, it's living, it's awesome. That's why it spread from city to city. They didn't have committees and organize how they're going to reach Samaria. How are we going to have a fundraiser to reach this city? We need to have a fundraiser to to reach this city. No, silver and gold, we don't have, Peter said. We don't have it, but we have power. We have power from another place. We have a word that is so dramatic, so cataclysmic, that if you will hear it and believe it, it'll change cities. It'll cause them to burn their witchcraft. It'll burn their books of evil and occult. It'll cause them to throw their idols down. It'll cause them to change. It'll cause them to love each other. It'll cause them to... It's, it's his life coming. Isn't that awesome? It's coming. It's coming. I hear rain. I feel the wind. I hear the sound of rain. Oh, gosh. Now, verse 17. Now, this is... God's going to repeat something here because this is the important point of this passage. Now, the king appointed the royal officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. The king appointed this guy. This is the same guy that said, oh, if God could make windows in heaven, this is not going to happen. So the king says, okay, you be in charge of the gate so this, we have some order here as the people go out and get the food and come back and stuff. You be in charge of the gate. Okay. But the people trampled on him at the gate. They trampled him. Can't stop it. You can't stop it. can't stop this life. And he died just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. And it came about just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. And that's when the royal officer, the one who just died, answered and said to the man of God, ah, now behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? And he said, behold, you shall see it with your own eyes but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him, for the people trampled on him at the gate, and he died. Oh, Acts 13. We'll wrap it up. Acts 13. Paul is speaking, real quick, Paul is speaking to the, his brothers, his Jewish brothers in a synagogue. They've asked him to speak. He's speaking to people who are under law. 
He's speaking to people who love God, who, who want God. They're under law. But Paul's got a new message now, the message of Christ, and he's trying to reach his brothers. And here it is, Acts 13. Let's look at, this is 38 for, for the point of time here. Acts 13, verse 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, speaking to his own Jewish brothers, he's in a synagogue, he's on the Sabbath, speaking to his brothers. Let it be known to you, brothers, that, that through him, through him, through Jesus, through the Christ, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed or justified from all things from which you could not be freed or justified through the law of Moses. Take heed, therefore, so that the things spoken of in the prophets may not come upon you. And then he quotes Habakkuk, another verse in the Old Testament, speaking of this same thing, God warning people, don't, don't not believe this because you think it's too good to be true. Don't not believe this because you think it's too good to be true. Verse 41, behold, you scoff and you marvel, but you perish. For I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. And as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Some got it. Some were beginning to get it. Others didn't. But some were really beginning to get it. And they were begging. Their hearts were strangely warmed. And they were saying, tell us, can you come back next Sabbath? We need to hear more of this. Verse 43. Now, when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes, that's the Gentiles who became Jews, followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. Lord, thank you so much for showing us these things. Father, thank you so much for opening our eyes. What a contrast. What a new world. Ah, the half has not been told. The Queen of Sheba told Solomon, the half has not been told of this awesome kingdom, Solomon, pictures of the kingdom of heaven. Father, you have it all there hidden. The lepers saw it, tasted it, and they brought it back to their city. Oh, Father, Father, help us see more and more. And I pray for a boldness for my brothers and my sisters who do see, a boldness to be witnesses of these things, to yell to the gatekeepers and say, it's done. It's there. There's another reality just beyond your sight if you'll just go and see. If you'll just go and see. Thank you, Father. I bless my brothers and my sisters, Father, in Jesus' name. Anoint them with a new boldness. Anoint them with a new zeal to get out of the boat, to walk on water. If there's any question about this grace, to ask you personally, Lord, if it be true, bid me come. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.